Drew Dixon back with you for another Bible Thump, and what we do here is we open up the Bible and try to find some encouragement in it. Um, so we've been going through the book of First Peter, and um, Peter's been talking a lot about suffering. So guess what? Uh, he has more. <laughs> he has more to say, um, and this time it's going to get a little, little dicey. Uh, but hopefully it'll it'll encourage you. Um, all right, let's. Well, let me start with this. Um, you remember that scene in um, A New Hope where, uh, you know, uh, Obi-Wan is fighting Darth Vader and you're like, get him, Obi-Wan. You're cheering really hard for Obi-Wan to, to win. And, uh, and Obi-Wan just sort of like gives up and is like, strike me down and I'll become more possible, more powerful than you can possibly imagine. There's some Star Wars fans listening to this that are going to be really mad that I messed up that line just now. But calm down. Give me grace. Be kind. Uh, this is a safe place. All right. <laughs> but uh, I, always, I always remember watching that and going, what does he mean? How is he going to become more powerful by dying? Like, that doesn't make sense. Um, I don't get that, right? Um, and is there like, is, is this like, was he saying I'm going to become this like force spirit ghost thing and I'm going to like talk to Luke in this force spirit thing and like get him to be more powerful is that some star wars fan is going to explain this to me and that would be great i would love for you to explain uh mansplain star wars to me (laughs) please would you uh but that's kind of like there's that vibe going on here it's almost like peter saying to christians if you get struck down you'll become more powerful um and i think he's saying in a way that that's exactly what happened to Jesus, that Jesus' suffering actually did not serve to hinder him in his mission, but actually served to fast forward it, to uh, empower it, to send it to new heights. Um, and so Peter's going to use that sort of logic and apply that to us and say, um, your suffering is not a sign of your um it's not a sign of your failure. It's not a sign of God's disappointment in you. It's not a sign that you're that you're broken. All right? Let's let's see if we can unpack this. All right. 1 Peter chapter 4 starting in verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery trial, fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy uh, when his glory is revealed. You, if you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in, in having that name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is, is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So that those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator in doing what is good. Um, All right. So what's going on in this passage? Um, Yeah, I think it's that idea that that suffering for followers of Jesus is is different. Um, There's nobody who looks at suffering and says, yeah, sign me up for that. That's what I want. Like, I want to be ridiculed. I want people to look down on me. I want to be, I want my life to be threatened. I want to lose my job. I want to be thrown out on the street. I want to be beaten. I want to be whipped. I want to be mistreated. 
Now, to be clear, like that kind of stuff is not happening to Christians in Asia Minor that we know of. As long as, as far as when this book was written, we don't think that's happening yet. But what is happening is, is Christians in Asia Minor are feeling that like on the horizon because they're looked down upon, they're mistreated. Um, they were turned down for promotions. That, that's probably the kind of things that were going on. They were probably laughed at. Um, they were probably uh, mistreated in the marketplace um, and kept from being, they were like second class citizens in Asia Minor. And so they see on the horizon, there's all this animosity towards Christians that's like, feels like it's building. And it's building to something that is not good. Okay? So that's kind of the spirit of what's going on. And Peter says, in light of this, like, build up to this persecution that feels like it's on the horizon, here, here's what you should do. Don't think that that's unusual, but instead rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Jesus, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you're ridiculed for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. All right, so um, here's here's the, the, Peter, the problem that Peter's facing, and I think that we face, is that we all hate persecution. <laughs> like, we all hate being treated poorly. Um, but the underlying problem is that this must have been really surprising to the first Christians. Think about being um, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, like pretty dang close to when Jesus lived and breathed and died and rose from the dead. Like, if you lived closer to that, what would you expect? Well, Jesus rose from the dead. So your expectation of life is one of resurrection. It's one of being lifted up. It's one of, of like, the promise of the Bible in the end is that we'll be lifted up, we'll be blessed, we'll be taken care of, we'll be secure. And so that's the future that you would anticipate and expect and, 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 and assume. And yet, the reality for followers of Jesus at this time is that it seems to be going the opposite direction. Why is this happening? Hadn't Jesus defeated the power of sin and death? Why should this still be happening? And so Peter answers this question by quoting from the Old Testament, quoting from the book of Zechariah, which seems to indicate that um, Jesus, uh, that his death would actually spark a time of greater persecution. Uh, while Jesus has rescued his people from the power of the evil, they're still to expect this fiery ordeal, Peter calls it, right? And they shouldn't think it's strange. Why? Because, well, Peter's basically saying because the Old Testament said this was going to happen. Like, <laughs> you should have read Zechariah. It's kind of what Peter's saying. But it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant to be persecuted. But if, when it happens, you can see it as a sign, like a road sign telling you you're headed on the right path. Like, if you're in a new state and pretend you're driving around and pretend that you don't have a GPS or it's not working, like, pretend you're in a place where there's no cell signal, your GPS has stopped working, um, what, are you, what are you doing? Well, you're looking for signs that say, like, you're headed in the right direction. That you're looking for signs that say the city you're headed to, let's say you're headed to, I don't know, uh, Denver, Colorado. You're looking for signs that say Denver this way. That's a bad example because probably everybody knows they get to Denver. But, but you get the idea. Like, you're looking for those signs. 
And so Peter's saying that suffering kind of functions that way. It's a sign telling you're on the right path. And that makes a big difference, doesn't it? Because if we suffer, but we know we're going the direction we should be going in, if we know that our life is headed in the way we want it to go, that it's shaped around what really matters, that their suffering won't be overlooked, that it won't be forgotten, that it won't be without a point, that there's nothing good coming on the horizon, then suffering is awful. But if you know at the end of this, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. If you know at the end of this that there, there was a purpose behind what you had to go through, not that, not that that justifies all the suffering. The Bible's not in the business of doing that. I'm not here to justify suffering in any way. But what I am here to say is that suffering sometimes functions in that way. It tells us we're going the direction we're supposed to be going because we're committed to what really matters. And that's what should fuel us to endure suffering, to endure difficulties, to know that living for Jesus that embodying his values, his love, his kindness, um, his generosity, his posture of acceptance towards broken people, his posture of acceptance towards the least of these, his posture of kindness towards people in need, his posture of kindness to the broken. If we're embodying that same kind of love and people hate us and persecute us and want to harm us because of it, we're, we're doing exactly what we were made to do. And that allows us to push through. Um, N.T. Wright says this, This is an alarming reflection, and it's not meant to produce panic, but rather gratitude. Those who are presently persecuting the church will meet their own judgment in due course. Peter says that. And God's people are called in the meantime to what? To faith and patience. In particular, they should entrust their whole lives to God, Peter says to their faithful creator. Uh, we might expect this to mean that they should pray day by day, giving their lives over to God. And no doubt this is true. But Peter says something a bit different. They are to entrust their lives to God by doing what is good. This doesn't just mean rule keeping or keeping your nose clean or not getting into trouble. Doing good means something much more positive than that. It means bringing fresh goodness, fresh love, fresh kindness, fresh wisdom into your world, into the world around you, into the community, into the family, into the people that we meet on the street. When we do this, we're not saying, uh, look at me. Look, aren't I being good? How good am I, right? But rather we're saying to God, I trust you. This is what you've called me to do. So this is what I'm doing with my life. I'm bringing fresh love, fresh goodness, fresh kindness uh, into the world around me and to the lives of the people around me. I'm doing with the life you've given me what you called me to do, even though I might suffer. I will continue to be the sort of person for your glory and for the good of my neighbor. So part of the Christian faith is the settled belief that God is faithful and that we can rely on him utterly at this point and at all other points and to get on with the task of bringing his light and his love into the people around us. What is one way you could do that this week? You could bring the light and love of Jesus into the life or heart embodied human experience of somebody around you. That's what we're to be doing. And you know what? I think you can do it. And I think I can too. So let's trust God to do that in and through us. Thanks for your time. We'll see you again next week.